Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Falconer, and today I'm joined by Anjali Kathri, Principal Architect at Google, and Nitin Wushis, Cloud Solutions Architect at Google. And we'll be talking about security on Google Cloud and how to architect a secure CICD pipeline using Google Cloud's built-in services. Anjali and Nitin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. So you wrote this great article about DevSecOps and building a secure CI/CD pipeline using Google Cloud that, that caught my attention. And we've had quite a few guests on the podcast so far talking about you know, securing sensitive data and various tools and techniques for doing that. But I think it's also important to talk about securing things like the deployment of your actual source code. So I'm excited to get into this. You know, we never met. Uh, really, until you know recently, and I used to, but I used to work with your manager when I was at Google. So you know, sometimes a surprisingly small world in tech. But before we sort of get too deep into the world of DevSecOps, I think a good place to start the conversation would be for each of you to introduce yourself. So, uh, Anjali, do you want to kick things off in terms of introductions? Absolutely, and thanks for having us, Sean. So as you mentioned, my name is Anjali. I've been here at Google for about a year and a half now, part of our pre-sales organization, supporting customers within the retail vertical. And uh, prior to joining Google, I worked you know, multiple years, uh, again, in corporate industry, working across analytics, security, AI, and ML, and primarily focused on just working with different customers, adopting AI, ML, data and analytics solutions. And I transitioned and went more in cloud and cloud security compliance, uh, working for a startup based out of Northern Virginia and had a great tenure there and decided to, to come back to corporate. So I've been here at Google now and it's been a great experience. And just uh, one of the reasons why we decided to write this blog here is to truly give the community that is big adopters of Google Cloud Solutions a very built-in framework around how they can optimize their CI/CD pipelines. So thanks for having us and looking forward to our discussion. Fantastic. And uh, Nitin, what, what, how about you? What was your sort of you know background, work history, and how you ended up at Google? Yeah, sure, uh, Sean. Uh, my name is Nitin Mosist, uh, and I'm a uh, solutions architect uh, at Google Cloud. So my background really is software development um, for around 10 years, ranging from startups to really large enterprises. Uh, and then in 2016, I moved up to uh, Cloud Solutions Architect role at Amazon Web Services for around four years. Um, and then um, I joined Google Cloud uh, for the last two and a half years now. So um, I have sort of witnessed this transition to public cloud for multiple large enterprises for the last six years or so. Uh, and I'm really fortunate and, and grateful to be part of this transformation for many large customers. So yeah, that's about me. And uh, thanks again for having me. Yeah, so I think, you know, probably all of us that have ha been in the industry and seen this, you know, transformation that's really happened over the past decade or so, this sort of big shift from on-prem to cloud-based solutions. And of course, it's something that's like still like very prevalent in a lot of sort of legacy systems and legacy, you know, companies have been around for a long time are still making this transition. And this is something we touched on with uh, Daniel Wong in episode four of this podcast as well. But how has the clouds sort of changed the way people need to think about architecting secure systems? Yeah, so um, I would say fundamental security principles really remain the same uh, in the sense that you still need to think about the security of your network, the access control, encryption of your data at rest, and, um, and in transit, compliance level of your workloads, et cetera. Uh, what's different in cloud is, is the way you design and achieve security and compliance requirements for your workloads. Um, so overall, I think it's it's easier to secure your workloads in cloud because of a couple of reasons. Number one, um, security services which are provided by the cloud providers are really uh, intertwined with the rest of the cloud services, which makes it easier um, to apply those service controls on various parts of your workloads as well as on your infrastructure. Secondly, security is something which is always evolving and there are new vulnerabilities every day. Bad actors are finding new ways to get into your network and system. So um, innovation happening in the cloud space directly benefits uh, customers workload as those customers start can just start using those new features and services uh, and keep their workloads more secure. Now, having said that, security in the cloud really is a shared responsibility. What, what it means is, is that um, the cloud providers are responsible for securing the part of the infrastructure which is managed by them, but then customers have to be responsible to secure their workloads on top of the cloud infrastructure. Um, 
and same principle really applies to, to, to compliance as well, which is again a shared responsibility. Um, lastly, I would like to add the, the level of effort and responsibility assumed by the customers uh, really depends upon what flavor of cloud service they are consuming. For example, if they are using just a compute service, which is infrastructure as a service or IaaS, then the customers own the responsibility to secure the operating system and everything running on top of it. Versus if we look at a SaaS service, which is software as a service, um, then all the infrastructure and runtime security is abstracted by the cloud provider and customers really are responsible largely um, to the security of the data and the access control. So it really depends on what level of the cloud service you are consuming. Yeah, so it seems like you know part of the advantage of moving you know parts of or your infrastructure to essentially a cloud provider is you're sort of offloading some of the responsibility of security to the cloud provider because a lot of those you know security controls are sort of built in exactly. uh, from from day one and those best practices are there. Exactly. But, and you also have the added benefit, I guess, of, of scalability, plus a ton of tools to essentially just build better products. However, although scaling servers is great for meeting customer demands, how does, I guess, the scale of the cloud potentially impact the challenges of, of security or privacy issues? For example, you know, when I walk into a bar and I ask for a drink and they see my ID, I'll show them my driver's license, which has things like my home address on it, amongst other things. So in theory, that bartender could use that information maliciously, but the scale of that is relatively small. So that's essentially the on-prem world. So it feels you know, relatively safe. However, if I posted my driver's license on Twitter, which is probably not a good idea, that is now, uh, you know, the scale of potential incidents is much, much bigger. Does the scale of the cloud change sort of the impact of something like a security incident? Well, before I answer that, Sean, I hopefully you mask your address and your personal information before you post it on Twitter. But if not, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're not getting some unwanted calls there. But but to your question, uh, you know, from my experience, it doesn't matter how far are you, how far along are you in your cloud journey, whether if you're very early or you're already mature. The idea is security. When it comes to security, privacy, um, and compliance. Those are some things that you have to prioritize from day one. You know, you should be working with your infrastructure teams, with your digital data across your different organizations. Security needs to have a seat at the table, prioritizing no matter how early or how mature you are in your deployment. So whether if it's, uh, you know, starting with collaboration, you know, the security team will bring in their, their point of view on, hey, here's where we think we should prioritize, whether if it's cloud mis misconfigurations, deployments, or however they're seeing when it comes to access, when it comes to just also monitoring compliance, depends on the industry that you're a part of. So it should be always be a number one priority, regardless of how far along uh, how far along you are in your scalability of your cloud deployments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that was touched on in the first episode that we ever did for the show with the CEO of, of Skyflow, Anshu Sharma, was he talked about how security and privacy are really have to be sort of baked into the culture of a company to do it well. It's not. Uh, something that it's not a feature that you're checking off. It's something that is sort of baked in the core of the business. And everyone understands that those are important things that should be prioritized from day one. So while doing some research for you know today's conversation, I learned that the term DevOps was first coined in 2009, but it, it seems to have really blown up in the last couple of years, especially with the growth of you know, a variety of startups in the DevOps space. How do you define DevOps? Yeah, uh, so um, DevOps really is a concept which can be looked at from, I think, different um, angles or lenses. So essentially, it's a combination of cultural changes and practices in your teams and a set of tools and technology. The primary goal of DevOps practice is to increase the velocity of software release um, and the productivity of your IT teams. Um, if you look at, if you think about this, uh, the software development practice traditionally has been done in a way that a team of developers uh, develop the application and then the separate op IT operations team then takes this application and runs and operates and supports it in production. The cultural change aspect of DevOps basically tries to remove this boundary and brings the dev, devs and ops teams together, uh, or sometimes even make this one team um, responsible for developing and operating that application in production. The other aspect of DevOps is to make the software delivery more consistent, reliable, and fast. 
Um, and this is exactly where the automation of your build, your test and deployment phases come into the picture. And it forms the basis of what we call as CICD pipeline, which stands for continuous integration and continuous delivery pipeline. So the idea of a CICD pipeline is to automate the whole process of software build, test and deployment, all the way from the, the point when the developer is checking in the, in the code um, into a version control system to the production deployment. So this whole automation of the pipeline eliminates the human errors, automates the process, and increases the velocity to ship new features um, in your software. Was there a particular like incident or technology development that happened in the last couple of years that has made this area sort of so hot right now for businesses as well as companies essentially innovating in the space? Yeah, so um, if you think about um, in today's market, um, agility is one of the key differentiators um, for companies. So companies who are able to move faster are surging ahead from their competitors. So, and releasing software in a faster and reliable way is a key capability that makes an enterprise more agile. Now, with the, with the more uh, microservices architecture and containers becoming more and more um, prominent, uh, DevOps basically provides a way to deploy your software at a faster pace, which naturally complements the microservices and container-based workload. Um, and then with the practices of pushing and changing several smaller changes every day um, and using immutable deployments via container images, it has become incredibly important to have a reliable and automated way to deploy these changes into a production environment um, so that these changes um, are available to the end users as soon as possible. And DevOps enables exactly this feature. And therefore, it plays a really critical role here um, and makes uh, DevOps at the center um, of the agility for an enterprise. For this reason, more and more customers are um, adopting DevOps practices lately. Yeah, I think that's a, a really, really good point that um, in, it's not necessarily something that's just restricted to DevOps. There's so much that I think for a company to be successful depends on the agility and sort of the speed of the cycle of learning for a company. Like even the, the software development practice change from something like, you know, waterfall method from, you know, 20 years ago to more of an agile process is really about speeding up the learning cycles as well as introducing more agility to the software development process itself. Like DevOps is essentially a way to do that when uh, it comes to, you know, deployments. If you can deploy more during the day continuously, you're really just speeding up the, the speed, the time with which your company can learn and understand what's going on. Exactly, exactly. And one thing to add to that, Sean, the other practice that's really taking mature adoption, at least in the last few years, is the concept of site reliability engineering. So that's an add-on and probably I would call a phase two where a lot of our customers and, and organizations are taking this the different approach to applications that are containerized, that are microservices, to apply these kind of objectives to make sure that, hey, are they meeting specific SLAs to achieving, you know, whether if it's performance-based or whether if it's traffic management-based. So SRE practice is another one that can really complement of why DevOps is getting to be more hot and just more adaptable across at least, I would say, 90% or more of engineering organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well with the you know public cloud and the scale with which companies can kind of reach users it brings things like devops or an sre requirements to businesses much earlier in their life cycle than probably it did 10 years ago because essentially you can scale globally now on on day one which was something that was really really hard to do when you were running uh servers out of a closet in in, in your uh in your company's office so how does the shift left movement for security relate to what's happening in DevOps? Yeah, so um, so shift left makes a lot of sense when you think about it in, in, in the perspective of DevOps. Um, so when we create a software delivery pipeline, shift left means really uh, that we think about security from the get-go, which means like right from securing the code base, scanning your code base or container images for vulnerabilities, creating security boundaries around who can initiate build or trigger the deployment, what images are allowed to be deployed on target, et cetera, right? So the, the idea here is that security is not an afterthought, but it is something developers and uh, each team really should be thinking from the very beginning uh, of the software design and development process. Um, 
So, so shifting left on, on security is also one of the uh, DevOps capabilities which are um, identified in DORA's research programs. And for, for, for listeners who are not aware of what, what is DORA, DORA stands for DevOps Research Assessment. And uh, DORA's um, State of DevOps Research Program basically represents several years of research and data from our uh, thousands of professionals worldwide. Um, so um, really, if you look at a, a software delivery pipeline from left to right, essentially you start thinking about security from the very beginning, like the leftmost point, which is where the developer is writing the code or checking in the code into the, into the version control system and all the way to the production deployment. Mm -hmm. And then you just, with this concept of shift left and also DevOps, I, where's sort of DevSecOps fit in? Like what is that and how does DevSecOps fit into a company's overall security and privacy program and strategy? Yeah, so so DevOps, uh, uh, so DevSecOps is a form of DevOps itself, um, where we introduce security concepts to secure the delivery pipeline, um, and and essentially each team is more security centric, so to speak. Um, so if we are doing DevOps practice and we are thinking about security from the very beginning, um, again related to the chef, uh, uh, shift left um, uh, concept we talked about. That concept is called DevSecOps. So in this model, security teams become really more tightly integrated with the development and operations throughout the application lifecycle. So, so when security is the focus of, of everyone on the DevOps team, that model is sometimes referred to uh, is referred as uh, as DevOps uh, DevSecOps. Um, to answer your second question, how does DevSecOps fit into companies' overall security uh, and privacy program? Um, so I think DevSecOps plays a really important role in a company's overall security program because uh, this practice ensures that the security is, is not something which teams are thinking about once the software is either about to be going live or has actually been deployed in production uh, and is something which is integrated into the pipeline from the get-go. Um, so this ensures that the software releases are free from vulnerabilities, the source code is restricted to only the authenticated users. For example, security test cases are being automated um, and things like allowing only trusted code base or container images to be deployed on your, on your production target. Uh, those kind of things are taken care into, uh, into the consideration. So all of this collectively enhances the, the security posture of an organization. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, CICD earlier, and uh, its its role with in, with respect to, to DevOps. What are some of the common mistakes people can make with regards to security, privacy, or compliance when it comes to you know set up, setting up and, and running their own CI/CD pipeline? Yeah. So in reference to what we could, what we could call mistakes here, but I would like to rephrase, uh, rephrase that as something that you potentially could overlook. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, you know this is not something that our team members within a DevOps or engineering organization would you know, maliciously do something like this, but it's more of an overlook. So if you're thinking about your workloads that's running in the cloud, one of the biggest things that could happen is just you know, improper configurations of your cloud deployments. And because you're working with you know, multiple applications and managing these kind of frameworks for different teams within um, software development, you know, making sure that, hey, is your cloud configured properly? So there are tools out there, you know, uh, that could help make sure that you, that can mitigate that risk. But it's just something to be always be cognizant of. Make sure that, hey, if you're working with, uh, you know, specific images uh, that you've been working with for quite some time, make sure that you have vulnerability scans enabled and make sure that they're trusted and there's not any known uh, severities within those images that could potentially impact and be detrimental to your organization when it comes to, you know, factory insecurity and privacy and even compliance. So there are some ways where you can mitigate that by, you know, working with uh, very bare bones images such as DistroLess or anything that you've created internally in-house. Just, you know, always make sure that you're running continuous vulnerability scanning and also make sure that you have encryption enabled, especially when you're working with data residing in cloud. And great thing about a lot of our public cloud services today, that's automatically enabled by default, but just, you know, just make sure you're cognizant and, and aware that that's in place. And this is similar to even like managing your secrets um, for your, whether if it's environment variables of your uh, deployments that you're running, or whether if it's within the application code itself. So just to make sure you have a good handle on that. 
But ideally, a lot of this, a lot of these things that are as minor as it could be, it does tend to get overlooked. So just so that's where you can partner with with vendors to provide you that level of visibility, just to ensure that hey, your cloud configurations are properly configured, and you can mitigate a lot of that risk by taking advantage of those specific solutions. Yeah, and, and thanks for sort of rephrasing the uh, you know the, the 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 term mistake. I think the. Um, uh, I, I agree, like no one's sort of doing these things from a malicious or malintent. Uh, it's more not realizing that these are potential problems or that you know certain sort of security or privacy controls need to be set up from the first place. Um, but I think as a whole, most people sort of working in the technology industry, they wanna do what's right for their customers, their users, and, and make sure that those things are locked down. And these things just happen mostly, uh, you know, sometimes just from an oversight, as you said. Yeah, and and I would just like to add one more point, Sean. Like previously, as we were talking about um, shifting left on security, I guess this is still one of the very common thing which is being overlooked, like not involving security and infosec teams early in the design software design lifecycle. And essentially, what happens is that it may create some security concerns, which are much more expensive to address later on in the lifecycle. Um, so that is very common. And, and second is um, normally developers are not well aware of the common security risk. Um, and this causes leaving the software potentially open for vulnerabilities and, and releasing unsecured code. So those are another couple of observations from my experience. Mm -hmm. And are there tools available for sort of automatically connect, uh, catching some of these misconfigurations? Within the Google Cloud space, we do. Uh, we What we call this security command center that can really help kind of capture some of those improper misconfigurations that you might have um, overlooked. So uh, within, obviously within the, we're Google, representing Google here. So, you know, that specific solution is ideal if your primary cloud is Google Cloud. But there are other vendors out there today uh, that can definitely do that from a multi-cloud deployment as well. Um, so there, it just depends on what kind of a public cloud deployment that you have and uh, depends on which, where a lot of your workloads are running. So it just depends on uh, how you're, configured today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess if, if someone, if you're listening and you're in this world, um, it's probably something that makes sense to, to incorporate into your sort of deployment model is using one of these types of tools that's either, you know, cloud agnostic, or maybe it's based on the, the, your, whoever your primary cloud is, whether that's, you know, Google cloud or something else, uh, to, to bring into your system to kind of catch these, uh, these oversights that can happen. Right. So, Another tool um, just related to your, your question, Sean, is, is container analysis on Google Cloud. Um, so that's a Google Cloud service which essentially provides a vulnerability scanning um, and, and storage of the metadata for containers. Um, so basically the scanning service performs vulnerability scans on images in, in, in artifact registry or container registry, and then stores the resulting metadata um, and available for consumption through APIs and such. So that is one of the service which is very, uh, very much integrated into rest of the CI, CD, and security services in Google Cloud, which customers can uh, take advantage of. Yeah, and I think this kind of goes back to one of the points you made at the very begin beginning, beginning uh, around the advantages that the cloud actually provides from like a security perspective. Because a lot of these tools are, are, are you know, available there. So these aren't things that you have to build. You can essentially plug these things in and be able to, to catch these potential issues uh, immediately uh, without, you know, investing a bunch of sort of time and resources to building this stuff yourself. Exactly. So I want to talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, built-in, uh, you know, products and features that are available in Google Cloud. So Cloud Build is a serverless CI/CD platform uh, available on Google Cloud. So why do I need something beyond this particular tool to automate something like my CI/CD pipeline? So that's a great question. So one of the one of our services within Google Cloud that was GA'd earlier this year, uh, which is called Cloud Deploy. And with the availability of this specific feature, this kind of completes the two primary services that will give you at a high level, the CI CD component 
of DevSecOps on Google Cloud. So Cloud Build, think of it as your, uh, and Nathan, please feel free to chime in here too, is the, the runtime environment that will really deploy your services across your different environments, whether if you're running it on GKE or any other platform-specific services within Google Cloud. The great thing about Cloud Deploy is it will deploy your services to those specific environments, whether if it's a test, staging, or a production deployment, and give you the capability of enable of enable uh, a continuous deployment across these multiple different environments in a single pipeline and allow for rollbacks. Let's say, for instance, if, uh, if you have a failed deployment in staging environment, that that pipeline will not progress to the to the next deployment, mainly because of the fact that it failed in this current state within this current uh, environment of your of your let's say for in this in this scenario of the blog is within Kubernetes within a Google Cloud's Kubernetes engine. So the great thing about both of these services, it's a good marriage between the two to allow your applications to be deployed from the inception of creating your application storing it in artifact registry, which is your ideal repository for storing your images, and then using Cloud Build to deploy them in the different environments, again, whether if it's non-prod staging and eventually into production using Cloud Deploy to enable and create that specific pipeline. So that's where these two services work very well in hand. And as of right now, there is a very scoped availability around which services you can deploy your applications on. Uh, Google's Kubernetes engine is the preferred method as of right now, but I know our, our development teams are working on expanding it to different uh, GCP-specific services and depends on where your applications are running. So that's where it's it's a good marriage between the two. Yeah. And, and w- one thing which I really like about Cloud Build is that this, is, this service is very flexible in what it can do. Um, so basically, you can pretty much achieve anything what you can achieve from a command line, and you basically put those commands together in a YAML file, and Cloud Build basically just executes those commands on an ephemeral uh, environment behind the scene um, in that predefined order. So what this means is that you are very flexible in terms of what other tools you want to integrate Cloud Build with, such as uh, Anjali mentioned Cloud Deploy. So at the end of your build process, you can basically execute Cloud Deploy commands in this Cloud Build YAML file and create the full CI/CD pipeline. Or if you have any other tool which you would like to use for deployment, you can integrate those commands as well. So it's very, very flexible um, and provides you opportunity to really mix and match um, either all the cloud native services or any other existing tool if you would like to use. Hey there, Sean here. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Partially Redacted. If so, please subscribe so you can always check out the latest episode and help others find the show by leaving a rating and review. Final thing before I get you back to the interview, if you're interested in privacy and security, have a challenge or issue you want to discuss, or want to share your expertise, please join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com slash community. All right, now back to the show. So you mentioned a couple different you know, tools there, like uh, Cloud Build, working with Cloud Deploy, Artifact Registry. Are there other tools and components that I should be using on Google Cloud to make sure that my CI CD system is not only able to support my team's sort of day-to-day development, but is actually secure? Yeah, so a couple of uh, services which are security-centric and really uh, integrate very well with your CI/CD pipeline on Google Cloud. Uh, one of them is, as I mentioned previously, is uh, is the capability to do the automatic vulnerability scanning of your container images using container analysis service. So when you store your, um, your container images in artifact registry, um, artifact registry automatically can uh, kick off a, a scan of your container image using the container uh, analysis service. So that's one thing which uh, customers should definitely take advantage of. Second is uh, a service called binary authorization. Um, you can use this binary authorization service to basically restrict um, which images are allowed to be deployed on your target environment, such as a GKE cluster. Um, and then finally, you can make use of other services like Secret Manager to securely access variables or data throughout your pipeline. So those are very common services which are used to, to make your CI/CD pipeline more secure. And there are some more which, uh, which we have uh, recently announced uh, during Google Cloud Next uh, uh, as of last week. Um, and um, those services are in preview as of now, um, but um, those services can also be integrated into your CI/CD pipeline to make it even more secure. Um, so, and can you walk me through 
sort of what as a user or a developer, the process would be to kind of set up something like this in Google Cloud? Yeah, so let's say we'll go by assumptions here. And, and this is kind of like the narrative of how Nathan and I really wrote this blog using Google Cloud's native services. So let's say you have, you know, your application, the source code is stored in GitHub, which is a primary, you know, publicly available that many, many of our end users can take advantage of. So what you do is once you have your application source code pushed out into your GitHub repository, first thing you will do is you will create a uh, integration within CloudBuild to set up a connection between your your uh, GitHub repository and just kind of like create an integration. All it does is, you know, ask you to authenticate and allow for GitHub to access your, your GCP's cloud build environment. You add in your credentials, select which repository you want cloud build to, to connect to, and then boom, it's like a, a fairly quick one to two minute process that you can do within Google Cloud's console. Once that integration in, is in place, then the next thing you'll do is what you call creating a trigger within cloud build. And what that means is Anytime you push new code or make any changes to your GCP's cloud, uh, I'm sorry, to your GitHub repository that you have integrated with CloudBuild, what it will do is it will kick off a CloudBuild process. And that process is dependent on a specific YAML configuration that CloudBuild allows for. So that way, it's just a step-by-step invoke, invo- invocation of, hey, either I'm going to first uh, you know, uh, create a Docker image of everything that I have stored in GitHub. And then the next thing it will do is scan that image and check for any vulnerabilities. And this is the actually the step-by-step that we've highlighted in our blog here that, as, as Netan mentioned, using the container analysis of Artifact Registry, it will automatically scan those images for you. And based on the outcome of how many, what's the severity of those uh, criticals or whether if it's high severities, depending on what's the severity level of your uh, container analysis for that specific image, either it will fail the deployment or it will give you a success that's saying that, hey, this image is clean, it is good to go and you can proceed to the next step. And all of these steps are highlighted in our sample YAML configuration file that we shared within our GitHub repository so you can kind of follow through the process. And then next, once you have a successful uh, vulnerability scan, what it will do is it will push that Docker image to be stored in Artifact Registry. And once that's stored and set and and managed by Artifact Registry, what it will do is it will apply a binary authorization attestation. And what that means is you're only allowing a certain GKE cluster that you, you authorize and that image can only get deployed to those specific clusters. And this is the powerful feature of what binary authorization allows you to do. It really secures the deployment and limits uh, deploying those images to very specific clusters of your choice. And all of that's done is by, uh, is by updating and, uh, and applying the binary authorization policy against the attestation that you've created. And then finally, the last step is uh, by kicking off a cloud build pipeline, what it will do is that specific container image that you have stored in Artifact Registry, now it will deploy that image across your different uh, GKE environments, whether if it's staging, uh, non-production, or all the way to production. And it will roll that image out across those different environments. And then when you finally get to the production uh, deployments, you have the option within within cloud uh, within cloud deploy that it will say that, hey, do you want to approve this deployment to production? Because ideally, that's a practice you should have in place. You should always approve any kind of production deployments just to ensure, hey, it's the right image, the right application. And usually there's a de- de- dedicated SRE or a DevOps team that will only allow specific production deployments. So at a high level, that's kind of like the CI/CD pipeline of how we've uh, use these different GCP services. And this entire process is automated today. That You can go from the inception of creating your source code and your application all the way to the entire lifecycle of deploying it from the different stages in your Kubernetes environment, from staging all the way to, to production. Uh, excellent. Thanks you for, uh, for taking me through that. And then you mentioned the deployment clustering. So with that, can, is that something that I could use to kind of control the like a progressive rollout where I roll out to you know maybe you know five percent of my um, uh, cloud resources and then you know ten percent and twenty percent and so on? 
Yeah, so that is a capability which is coming up in, in, in uh, Cloud Deploy. So Cloud Deploy is a relatively very new service. Uh, I think it just went GA uh, a few months back. So but we are aggressively adding more and more capabilities, including this controlled rollout um, into, into your target uh, environments. Mm -hmm. And then how does the combination of tools that you know, you're mentioning through this play with configuring cloud resources directly within Google Cloud Console. So from a security perspective, is it better to manage this through an automated system uh, like uh, infrastructure as code deployment model or is manual UI-based configuration okay? So my suggestion is definitely start with manual just because since this is a brand new deployment you're setting it up you want to make sure that you're testing out that pipeline and making sure it gives you the right results that you're expecting once this application is deployed in a, a designated end state so highly recommend that you start with a manual deployment first then obviously the end goal is you do want to automate this process because nobody wants manual these days you know it's the overhead of managing manual deployments it's just a headache not just for devops teams but also for the sre teams and even for application developers too because they want if they develop develop something ideally you want to see it in an end state of running in production so ideally recommend to do both just so you can have a a verified deployment from a manual process but the end goal is you definitely do want to automate as you get to that final state of your of your um, end state being running in production. Yeah, and imagine like doing everything manual sort of takes away from some of the advantages that we talked about earlier of, of the DevOps CICD right. world where you're slowing down those learning cycles by having essentially manually trigger and configure the, the deployment each time. Yep. And then again, uh, infrastructure as a code is another great um, concept which basically allows you to you know replicate the infrastructure in other environments within a matter of minutes. Um, so that is like an added advantage uh, of, of automating this whole uh, creation and operation of CICD pipelines. Yes, and it helps uh, you know, combat the issues of, uh, you know, but it ran on my machine uh, type of problems too. So, you know, from a security perspective, I of course want, you know, my cloud resources locked down. I want you know, customer data protected. I want, but what about protecting my source code? Are there cloud products that help me lock down source code? Yeah, so within Google Cloud specifically, we have uh, a GitHub version similar within Google Cloud called Cloud Repositories, which will really secure not just your entire source code, but also the environment variables using Secrets Manager. So you do have built-in services within your public cloud deployment that can help you achieve that security and making sure that not just from a securing of the code itself, but also, you know, giving limited access or very, you know, privileged access to who needs access to that environment using, you know, identity access management within the public cloud itself. So yes, within the public cloud space today, whether if it's Google or any other public cloud that you might be using, uh, definitely take advantage of those built-in services that can help you give you that security and limit access to the right resources or to the right designated teams. And you can always, you know, even go higher up, you know, make sure that you have designated within the GCP role, designated projects for designated teams that, hey, you're only working within this realm of your world. You don't have access to, you know, the other X number of services, mainly because you don't need it. So that kind of de-alienation de happens kind of in the beginning and working with your organization admins within the Google Cloud world to make sure that not only are they aware and they have the best practices to allow the different teams uh, you know, their specific access to those specific services that they need. But managing and, and securing your code, source repository, and using Secrets Manager is definitely a good starting point. And, you know, if you're looking for mature solutions where you're looking for advanced and different capabilities, working with third-party solutions is always another option. But within the public cloud world, you do have that option today. Yep. And, and just to add uh, on top of it, um, Sean, as, as I was mentioning earlier, we recently launched a couple of uh, new security services which fit into the description of this question as well. One of them is called Cloud Workstation. Uh, now that service is in preview as we speak, but Cloud Workstation uh, is basically a new service which we launched and it's a really excellent way to make your source code more secure as you write the code. So it's a fully managed um, development environment uh, which is built to meet the needs of security sensitive enterprises. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, this service really extend the security posture of your IDEs with like a centrally managed and security mechanism based on the uh, industry best practices. Uh, so basically, 
mitigates the uh, exfiltration uh, by preventing the storage of the source code locally as well, because this is a browser-based or web-based um, IDE. So that that would be uh, one service which which will uh, which will help making source code further secure. Um, and related to that is is, is, a, is a concept called Assured Open Source Software Service. This is also in preview. Um, the Assured OSS service basically lets you access and um, incorporate open source packages that have been verified and tested by Google. So if you think about it today, uh, developers use a lot of open source um, libraries and softwares. Um, and without proper scanning uh, on, on, on vulnerability of that code, um, if there is any... Um, any vulnerability found in one of those open source packages which you are using, your source code directly gets impacted by that. So using the libraries from the assured open source software basically um, ensures that um, you are not using those um, open source packages which are prone to some vulnerabilities. So these packages are basically built by Google's secure pipeline, uh, and those are regularly scanned, analyzed, and tested for vulnerabilities. So that would be um, another fantastic service to, to start using, uh, especially for the teams who heavily use open source softwares. Yeah, I'll definitely have to include uh, links to those in in the show notes. I really, you know, with Cloud Workstation, I like the trend that's starting to happen in the industry of of starting to move essentially development to web based IDs and also remove uh, source code from I mean, essentially being stored on people's laptops right. um, because that is a potentially huge vulnerability. If someone you know, essentially steals a laptop, they have access to potentially have access to your source code, and right. you know the open source scanning. Uh, that's something I, I, I've also seen sort of a, a um, you know some third party services that provide that. It's great that Google sort of incorporating that directly into the services that it provides in the in the public cloud. It was sort of shifting. Uh, things to look towards the future. What are some of your thoughts on the future of cloud security? And are there, you know, technologies in this space that you're particularly excited about? Yeah. Um, Anjali, you want to go first or I can go first on this? I guess we both have uh, some thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, why don't you go ahead, Nathan? Sure. Um, so um, on couple of thoughts on the future of, of uh, cloud security. Um, I think the adoption of cloud native security services um, is going to increase. Uh, if you think about uh, the the current trend of, uh, of the cloud migration, customers are really migrating all possible sort of workloads to cloud. Um, and due to the scale and elastic nature of cloud, a lot of traditional security tools and products do not really work well with the elastic nature of cloud workloads. Um, and therefore, securing these workloads in cloud requires more um, cloud-native security services that can scale along um, as your workloads scale um, with, the, with the growing amount of traffic. So I believe the adoption of the cloud-native security services will increase in future. Um, another reason I think this will be true is that um, then the, the cloud customers will truly be able to realize the, the cloud cost model for their security-related services as well. Uh, rather than paying a fixed price or license fee for, for the security services, right? For example, things like web application firewall or web service, right? You pay for, for the number of rules you have created for scanning and you can literally dynamically create those rules if you are seeing surge in traffic and then scale it down. So you effectively pay only for, for, that, um, for that amount of time when you had more traffic coming in. Um, so that's just one example. Secondly, I think the trend of uh, shifting left in general and in CID pipeline, which is essentially the topic of this podcast, this will also continue to increase uh, as the principal of you know, security is everyone's responsibility. So that principle becomes even more important and relevant in cloud, particularly um, you know, if, you, if you think in terms of CICD pipeline security with increased use of open source software, uh, vulnerability scanning of your code will become more and more important. So I think those will be some, um, uh, some of the uh, trends uh, as far as the future of cloud security is concerned, according to me. Um, about the technologies which I'm particularly excited about, uh, to be honest, the whole, whole security space is, is pretty exciting. It's evolving at a rapid pace, and I, a lot of them are my favorite. But just to pick a couple of them, um, I think Google Cloud's Security Command Center is an incredibly useful service for security and compliance teams for, for organizations. Um, essentially, the service provides a centralized view of the overall security posture of your organization. What it means for customers is that they, they can quickly and easily identify any vulnerability, threats, misconfigurations across their workloads so that customers can quickly mitigate and, and, and remediate those security risks. 
Um, and second would, um, uh, thing which I'm really excited about is uh, another new announcement uh, we did last week uh, as part of Google Cloud Next is a security of software supply chain. Uh, so we basically announced a new solution um, which, um, which is called Software Delivery Shield. Um, so again, that is built upon the very similar concept on what we're talking here, and we also uh, wrote a blog post on it. Um, so uh, I think those two um, are, 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 are my uh, couple of favorite areas I'm, I'm excited about. Yeah, and just to add to what you had said earlier, Nathan, you know, with companies that are in a specific public cloud environment today, and that's their primary cloud, using those built-in services will definitely be key here. But when you're thinking about certain organizations who have a multi-cloud deployment, that's where that gets a little bit tricky. So around the thoughts of from a future point of view where you're thinking cloud security, it's going to be both for me. And the reason why I say that is because if you're thinking about or if you're working for an organization that's a brand new startup, and most of the time with startups, they're small, they're nimble, they're working on a, either a singular application or multiple features within that application, there is a higher chance that you might be deployed on a single cloud environment. So for that, when you're talking about security, using those built-in services makes sense. But now if you scale above, if you're looking at multi-conglomerate large corporations like multi-billion dollars for top Fortune 10, uh, Fortune uh, 100, there is a higher chance that those kind of companies are on a multi-cloud, mainly because of different organizations, multiple workloads, and you know also a preference for some of your teams. So when you have those kind of larger deployments, using solutions that, from a security point of view, that are supportive of multi-cloud, you have to also factor that in. And you know, as for Google, obviously we're going to talk about Google Cloud uh, native services here, but uh, but you also have to think from that point of view too. Like uh, you know, as being part of the as working where we work with customers, we advocate for them. You know, that's kind of like the first question we want to ask: Are you on a primary cloud or your multi-cloud deployment? So based on that kind of a response and how mature are you, that's where that specific uh, solution can come into play here. Uh, and the other thing is security is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It has to be a number one priority from day one. And it's something that has to mature over time in, in, uh, in uh, lockstep with your you know, peer teams, whether if it's digital infrastructure, application development teams, DevOps teams, SRE teams. So security, like I said earlier, they have to have a, a seat at the table working together to make sure that all of those prioritizations from a InfoSec point of view, from compliance, security, risk, those are all jotted down and, and deployed over a time period. Like you're not gonna get everything done on day one. It's just a matter of mapping it out from day one to year one, two, and three, and how that could look like. And going into the specific technologies that I'm personally excited about, um, again, you know, it depends on where are you in your maturity of your uh, cloud adoption uh, today. So specifically for me, um, I'm, you know, as we talked about cloud deploy as one of our uh, flagship features for the continuous deployment within GCP, I'm really excited to see how this solution takes on adoption of other uh, services. So right now we have uh, default support for Kubernetes. Uh, ideally, we're talking about containerized applications, microservices that are running on a Kubernetes environment, especially if it's managed by GKE. Cloud Deploy is is very mature in that in that space today, but I'm looking to see how can that expand that to other services within Google Cloud itself. And also personally, I'm also a fan of you know our third party solution providers out there today. You know we work with multiple of them. Companies like Palo Alto, uh, one of my former uh, alma maters, uh, a company called Divi Cloud, which was acquired by Rapid7, which is primarily focused on misconfigurations within a multi-cloud deployment. And a, a third company that I'm a huge fan of is Wiz.io. Um, you know, great work that they're doing, uh, not just from similar to a mis uh, cloud misconfiguration, but also workloads that are shifting left. How do you prioritize those and making sure that they're secure? So some of the companies that I'm excited about and just really seeing the future of where Cloud Deploy goes next. Yeah, there's so there's a tremendous amount of developments going on in this area. And uh, I think you both made some some really great sort of points and, and insights there that uh, is a good place to kind of start to, to wrap up. You know, one of the things that 
Nitin, you talked about was a lot of the the tools and technologies that were just announced as re, you know as recently as uh, you know a week ago at, at Cloud Next, and there's such a plethora of sort of tools in the space that makes it probably challenging for someone who's you know setting up something like a CI/CD pipeline, and and you know maybe they have the best intentions at heart, but as we mentioned, you know oversights can happen. How can you know, what are your sort of recommendations, I guess, for someone who's starting to try to learn more about DevSecOps and cloud security? What what sort of you know resources or places should they go to kind of be able to keep up to date with everything that's happening in this space? Yeah, so um, I, I would recommend, uh, so there are multiple resources to follow on this, but I would recommend a couple of things here. Um, I think the uh, Google Cloud's blog um, on security and identity, um, so that security and identity section on Google Cloud's blog is one of my favorite. Uh, place to go to see what's happening latest, what new services we are launching, what new solutions we are launching on Google Cloud. So that's one of my favorite. Second is uh, Google Cloud Architecture Center um, is also a great resource. And again, you can uh, filter um, the architecture and design uh, on different topics, including security and compliance. Um, so those two are my favorite um, to-go resources um, to keep myself up to date about what's happening uh, in the security space. And obviously we wrote um, a blog post on, on creating secure CICD pipelines on GCP, which is also part of this blog post uh, as well. The other place that I would recommend since we just wrapped up our Google Next conference is definitely reach out and look at the replays of some of the sessions across the different um, security uh, sessions that we've done. So that's also a good overview to talk to get a high level debrief on what some of our existing customers are doing and what some of the services that Nathan mentioned earlier around work, workstation uh, that were uh, that are in preview today. And and also you can get uh, at least a, for now a high level overview of what they are. So next is another good, good, good outlet. Uh, and then the other thing that I always advocate to even my own customers is just looking at the different best practices that Google recommends, whether if it's security-based, whether if it's infrastructure, DevOps, or even SRE, or even application development. We have a, a bare bones, kind of like a baseline that Google recommends, um, which is a good starting point. And if there's ever, you know, in-depth uh, details that you need, you know, you can always leverage our forums that can give you some additional answers. And obviously, if you're a customer of ours or, or prospect customers, you know, reach out to our organization and we're happy to you know, set up deep dive sessions and explain some of what those capabilities could look like. So you have multiple avenues and, and exclusively to what Nathan said, the Architecture Center and also our blog post is, is a great resource just to kind of get a high level overview of what some of these services are doing today and what some of our peers have written uh, just to kind of uh, provide their narrative on how they work and how do they work with different Google Cloud services as well. Yeah, and just to add to uh, what you mentioned about the Cloud Next videos, I believe all those are freely available on YouTube. So that is you don't even have to be registered for Cloud Next and you can get access to them. You might yeah. even find some old presentations for, at uh, Cloud Next by, by me um, if, you, yeah. if you start to dig into those. So I want to thank you uh, both for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge about you know the, the emerging field of DevSecOps and how to secure CICD pipelines using Google Cloud. I'll make sure, of course, the link to your article and some of the other resources and um, you know updates from Cloud Next that were mentioned, and so people can dig into those details further. But thanks again, and, and cheers. Yeah, thanks for having us, Sean. Thank you for having us. We had a great time, and and you know, thank you for the dialogue. <laughs>